1: This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of *Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash That's clnsradio.com slash Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, May 8th, 2016. This is Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. It is Mother's Day. The Kentucky Derby has come and gone. The Boston Celtics season has ended already with another playoff appearance and loss. Yet spring has not yet arrived here in the New England region. Saw the sun for the first time Friday afternoon since I think the Celtics were in the last in the playoffs a week and a half ago. Starting to wear on me a bit, so bear with me here as our audience does each and every week anyways. Trying, trying, actually really could have used a Celtics playoff series against Cleveland, no matter how ugly it may have been. Like what Atlanta's dealing with. Even just to distract me slightly, though, from the wretched weather and utterly non-existent spring here in the region. But it's not. And also, too, in case you forgot, the Celtics season did come to a conclusion two Thursdays ago, and it seems it, seemed, it seemed longer now, does it? It really does. Lost the Atlanta Hawks in six games in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals, and I, I like that. Quarterfinals. Technically what the series is professionally referred to as, a quarterfinal series, but that does sound a lot better than first round, right? So we're going to go with that. Let's run with it said on last week's show that the loss was a little fresh on all of us, so really wanted to dive into it, but not now that the scabs have formed over the wound. I guess we can pick at it now and start reviewing the season, and today we're going to have a little fun with it. I've done this on the website in the forms of columns in the past. Now we'll take it here. Individual report cards for the Boston Celtics for the 2015-16 NBA campaign right here with today's featured... And only guest, Mr. Kyle Draper of Comcast Sports, Net New England. Kyle, as many of you know, is the host of Celtics Pre and Post Game Live on the television home of the Boston Celtics CSNNE. For those of you out of the area, uh, Kyle can also be found on the multimedia section of CSNNE.com. And of course, right here coming up on episode number 156 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented to you by Audible and... American Farmers Network dot com. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I I got a few emails this week thanking the show for a great season and what a great episode last week, putting the cherry on top of the year with Jared Weiss and Bob Ryan. First off, thank everyone who tunes in and more so those who reach out, emails, Facebook messages, tweets, phone calls, text messages, stopping me in the streets of Brookline, that has happened before. That is not a facetious reference. I appreciate all the gratitude uh, for the season, the in-season year, but guys, we go the 52 here. You know that by now. Always have, always will. There's just too much to talk about. And for those that think there aren't, well, you just aren't looking hard enough. You're not engaging with the audience as we do here at CLNS Radio, or some who poses authority figures on your television or any AM and FM dials. They're just not paying close enough attention to the basketball world around them because, jeez, I don't know about you, uh, there are a handful of people out there that seem to be forgetting the NBA playoffs are still taking place, even as the Celtics are not a part of it. A lot of talk of where Kevin Durant is going to end up. A lot of talk about five-point plans to steer him to Boston. This July, even though he's... In one of the most important playoff series in the entire NBA postseason, we seem to forget or maybe not forget but le- deliberately ignore the repercussions this Western Conference semifinals series will have not just on these playoffs, they're gonna go a long way on deciding this year's NBA champion, but also if Kevin Durant will even legitimately test the waters in free agency. Of course. We know he's going to explore, he's going to visit teams, do the visits. I mean, who doesn't want to get that love showered on them? But legitimately consider leaving where he's at. The fate of Kevin Durant, I said it last week, in various outlets of social media and the World Wide Web, said it here, said it as soon as Curry went down with that MCL sprain. This title picture is a lot murkier than what we thought it was heading into the playoffs with everyone just assuming it'd be Golden State. They have 73 wins, cruising to the NBA title with maybe a little nuisance from the Spurs in the conference finals. Now, hmm, hmm, uh, first off, too, disclaimer here. I've been tooting the horn as much as anyone, or as early as anyone, actually. I knew before that Celtics home game in mid-March to OKC, the Durant talk would start and deservedly show that this team has put itself in an unbelievable position. They had a great year. They were having a good year to that point as well. He'd seem to be the perfect fit. But it is amazing how it has literally not stopped since that mid-March game. When prior to that game, it was really only found in the dark corners of the internet. And what's just absolutely mesmerizing to me is... So many have eliminated Oakland, the Thunder as a spot for Durant going forward. And hey, I was guilty of that, comma, at one point. But as stated, now with Curry's injury for the Warriors and the potential the Thunder have now to make a a surprising finals run if they can upset the Spurs here and maybe catch the Warriors in the conference finals, having trouble finding their rhythm, working Curry back into the mix, or or God forbid, the freaking Blazers. So it's just amazing how that's come out of consideration now, and no one in the region seems to be talking about it, at least on a mainstream level. On a mainstream level, that's a little more fair. But we will hear, we have to, I've been discussing a lot on Facebook with with Jason, some of you others, Sam C. in the Facebook group. I don't want to give away anyone's last name without their permission. I firmly believe this. If Oklahoma City can get this series versus San Antonio, I think they're more than still in this series despite Friday's loss. OKC can still win the next three and win this in six. They did it to San Antonio before four years ago in the conference finals i like to think they'll get this one today. And then after that, it pretty much comes down to that Game 5 Tuesday night, I believe. So if the Thunder can win the series, I think he stays because this Curry injury has changed the landscape of the West, both short and long term. Remember, this is a guy who not really until 2013 has he proven he can stay healthy. He's a lot deeper into his career than we immediately presume. I mean, remember, he spent half of his early career dealing with injuries. So now this question, I mean, it it is back with him. Possibly. We don't know. A lot of us figured that not only would the Warriors want away with the title this year, but they looked like another incarnation of the 1990 Chicago Bulls where they may just own the rest of the decade. You could see Durant wanting to get out of that, get out of that conference with them there. San Antonio still around. Want to get away from that, go East, have a little rivalry with LeBron. But maybe now the West looks a little more open going forward in future years than it did a month ago. There are still a lot of questions if Curry can hold up well in his 30s. So now it's about comparing the Oklahoma City situation that Durant has now to Boston, to Washington, to L.A., to Mars, to Pluto, to Neptune, whatever. And you hear, oh, you've got to make that trade for Jimmy Butler to give Durant another guy. Um, hello, doesn't he already have a far superior talent to Butler alongside him in a top-five player in the NBA in Russell Westbrook? Just amazing how we forget that. But let alone how the Thunder can give him the most money, too. Jesus. Uh, but So just keep an eye on this series. Game four is tonight on TNT, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thunder are in a must-win situation, down two games to one. Vegas has got him as one-point dogs. I really think that Durant... The potential of him leaving rides on this series, maybe rides on this game, certainly this evening's game. But dare we say it, if they pull this out, make a run, I mean, goodness, to the finals, I don't think there's a shadow of a doubt he stays. And you know what? That does happen. Durant stays. Or even if there's this new overwhelming consensus prior to him entering free agency, That he stays as the Thunder are making this playoff run. Watch the narrative change. The same talking heads who have been pumping up Durant fantasies to inflate their ratings and generate buzz. They're then going to do a 180 and they're going to turn right around and start laying the blame on all the masses. It'll be because... Oh, those Homer Celtics fans. It's all their fault. Those damn green teamers. How dare you believe Boston could sign a major free agent? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, oh, wait, oh, wait! wasn't it you guys that created this environment of Durant discussion every single day? I wonder why. Oh, no, it isn't because you're looking for lemmings to mindlessly click on your material, is it? Nah, you would never do such a thing. Uh, they're going to do that. Mark my words. Mark my words. Those hacks will do that and start taking pot shots at the fan base like it was a cascade of fans that formed a mob and overthrew the radio stations with pitchforks and muskets and demanded Kevin Durant talk every day and Durant scenarios 24-7 the last three months. So get ready for that, Celtics Nation. Get a little tougher around. Get some little battle scars and calluses. Are there arguments why Boston would, of course, be a good fit. Every team's fan base thinks Durant would be a match. But do the Celtics have a better, have a case better than most? Yes. Do the Celtics have a shot as opposed to prior years with other top players? Yes. But this absolute hysteria, that's all the honks that's driven by them, all the blabbermouths, if and when this never does come to fruition, I'm actually gearing for that in a way. I, I believe they have a shot, but I'm just saying let's, let's let these playoffs uh, like take shape first. I mean, let's see. Hopefully, the Spurs close this thing out. Let's let that take shape before we just book a Kevin Durant hitting free agency and, and placing the Celtics as number one, or even just just talking about this every single day. We got to let this playoff series uh, come to its conclusion. But if and when this never comes to fruition, that is Durant coming here or or not very that like isn't even close just get ready for more low blow insults from the media hacks just i'm telling you that's what they're gonna do but we won't hear not on clns radio not on the leading online provider so we're gonna with that we're gonna lay the red carpet out we're gonna take a brief break and then when we come back as promised take a look back on this year we're gonna do that today maybe another episode or two in some capacity in the immediate future But talk about what we've got on our hands. And, And today, we'll do so by looking at the players on this team right now. On this team. Not who we want on this team. On this team. And I said we, not me. So get the pen ready. Red pen. It is going to be Celtics report card time with Kyle Draper of Comcast Sports, NET New England. In just a few short moments, you are listening to CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio, video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure
0: natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcarn.com.
1: Carol, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation
0: of eating organic grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and
1: optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods and get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com.
0: The workers who have succeeded in this new economy are those who know how to decide for themselves how to spend their time and allocate their energy. They understand how to set goals, prioritize tasks, and make choices about which projects to pursue. People who know how to self-motivate, according to studies, earn more money than their peers, report
1: higher levels of happiness, and say they are more satisfied with their families, jobs, and lives. The preceding excerpt is from Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit audiobook, published by Random House Audio. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online, and to get a free 30-day trial to get access to great books such as this, log on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Welcome back into the show. Just heard my dear friend, Daryl Conan, talk about the effects, how a diet with certified organic pasture-raised meat being the staple of one's palate. The science is now pretty much settled. And take it from Daryl, who's one of the leading strength and conditioning coaches in America and is so adamant about this message that he takes take his time to come on here and endorse that lifestyle with us and plead to our audience on how to accomplish your fitness goals of gaining muscle and fat loss. Take it from someone who has the respect of so many here. Daryl's all for it. I've experienced it for myself. Get certified organic pasture-raised meat. Folks, you know where to get it from the leading and most trustworthy supplier of organic meat in America, from networks of small family farms, not corporate sponsored industrial factories, experience and caretaking farmers, the great people at American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Want to thank AFN for all they do for being such an integral part of my life and being able to live so happily. Can't thank them enough for everything, really. I mean, you need a roof over your head or food on your plate to live a life, so AFN's nearly all that for me, and their support of this show is a real honor. Their support, our audience, has really helped in keeping this operation rolling here four plus years running now with this broadcast, and we thank all for making that happen. Of course, all the great people who lend us their time, such as today's featured segment with Mr. Kyle Draper of Comcast Sports Net, one of our stalwarts. But Kyle, it's actually been a while. I think this, I like to become you becoming one of our go-to guys in the off season the last few summers now.
0: Well, anything to help you out, Larry. You know I'm a team player, oh, man. I, anything I to uh, make your life easier, of course.
1: The, the veteran the veteran plays the guy the, the people that are called upon, and I was the light bulb went off. I was like, man, I, I was referenced reviewing the schedule when it was first released, and you seem to slide in perfectly here for these gimmick shows of recapping the release of the schedule, <laughs> which was when you were here on the first week of August last year, reviewing the trade deadline a few years ago. This is where I got to get on you because if our audience wants to have a little fun, I looked it up episode number ninety four of Speed with Kyle Draper it was in our archives, iTunes and Stitcher. You were a little lukewarm on the deadline acquisition of Isaiah Thomas. I had to call you out on that one, man, because we're going to be throwing praise his way in a few minutes here.
0: No, I mean, hey, Isaiah has made a believer out of everybody. I don't think anybody thought, even look back to the beginning of this season, Larry. There was so much talk that he'd be better off coming off the bench. Yeah, spark plug Uh, guy. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't last a full 82 game. He can't defend starting guards. And so Isaiah, and it's been like that his entire career, he's used that as motivation, and he's made a believer out of me.
1: We're here with Kyle Draper, host of Celtics Pre and Post Game Live, as well as an array of other Celtics-centric segments, Comcast Sportsnet, New England, and their online home at www.csnne.com. So we stole this concept from your colleague, Sherrod Blakely, a Celtics report card for individuals in 2016, and that's now in the CSNNE Library, if our audience wants to check that out. So, Kyle, we're going to pull a Mark Zuckerberg, steal the concept, and just do it better, okay?
0: There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's it's uh, not too often when Sherrod Blakely has a good idea. So when he does have one, let's steal it. I'm, I'm okay with that.
1: I love it. Let's start with Isaiah. You're our guest of honor. You get the first rights. You gave him a shout-out earlier. We can go in a little depth with him. So the semester began on October 26th for Isaiah and everyone else on the team. Ended on April 28th in Game 6 against Atlanta. Saw the grade you gave him. It's completely identical to mine, so just lay it out for the listeners.
0: Well, Isaiah has been pretty much everything you could ask for. I think uh, the only reason he didn't get an A-plus is because of, uh, you know, a couple of playoff games. You know, he started off slowly in that Atlanta series. But in terms of being a leader, in terms of uh, being an all-star, in terms of putting the team on his back, I I think Isaiah has uh, more than exceeded expectations this season. I don't know if anybody expected him to uh, be a 21, 22-point-per-game guy On a winning team we saw in Sacramento when he averaged 20, but they were a bad team. It's one thing to average 20 on a bad team, but to do it on on a a top five playoff team in the East, uh, that showed me something. And I think what I was most impressed with Isaiah about is just. His toughness, his ability to finish in the paint over two and three defenders at times. And he did it night in and night out, uh, Larry. There uh, we weren't too many games where Isaiah didn't have a good game. I mean, he was pretty consistent throughout the season. And so when you look at the expectations for Isaiah, look at his size, because you've got to take that into account. Look at the way the team finished, you know, fifth seed in the East. I mean, you've got to give him an A. I
1: was totally with you. I wanted to give him an A+. plus. I punished him slightly for the playoffs second year in a row. He's had a little mm-hmm. lackluster playoff series. He did have the one good game in game three. Also, there were some questionable points in the series on defense's effort in game five was a little shady. I don't know if there was a little bit of fatigue in that. But you have to give him an A because of how much he superseded everyone's expectations. We now take him for granted as... A borderline all-star guy in the Eastern Conference. He's in that second tier of guards in the NBA. I hate to make this such a completely – a segment where I completely agree with you or a portion of this segment <laughs> where I completely agree with you because it doesn't make for good radio. It doesn't make for good TV. But that is the case, so I have to follow up on everything that you said. He's the most valuable player on the team. You mentioned that there were – so they were, you can't really remember the bad games that he did have. When he did have a bad game, the team was cooked. He's far and away their most valuable right. player. They could survive bad games from everyone else. They could survive missing key players at a time. They missed Crowder for an extended period of time. They missed Olinick for the longest of time. Avery Bradley missed a few games. Marcus Smart missed a few games. They all weathered those storms. I believe Thomas played the full 82. I don't have it in front of me. I want to say that he played the full 82, so we don't know of how the team would have done without him. But we do know there were some games. I remember a game against Chicago, I believe. It was January 7th, January 9th, when they were struggling uh, at the end of, beginning of January there when they really flopped after those Lakers and Nets lost. He had some bad games in there. He had a bad game against the Bulls. Whenever he didn't play well, the team didn't play well. They usually lost. Let's go to his backcourt mate, Avery Bradley. I gave him an A-minus. You threw an A his way as well. Once again, I gave him the minus. I guess I'm a little harsh. Actually, just solely because of the injury. He kind of came up lame when they needed him the most. But
0: you can't can't fault him for that. I mean, and I thought about that, and I knew that's exactly why you uh, took away. I mean, the injury was, you know, that was a freak injury. I mean, non-contact injury, usage injury. Yeah, exactly. And so I I thought on the floor when he was out there, Avery was – Tremendous! I think, you know, his salary of $8 million is one of the best bargains in the league. And he averaged, what, a career-high 15-plus points this season. And we saw when Avery Bradley wasn't there in the playoffs just how badly this team struggled to score. I never thought, you know, a few years ago that I would say that the Celtics need Avery Bradley scoring. But it was clear they did. I thought Avery Bradley and Larry... We know about his offense this season. I thought he got back to playing tenacious D. I thought a couple years ago his defense slipped a little bit. But he brought the the defensive side of the ball this year, too.
1: His defense was so good in years like 2012 and 2013 that you eventually took it for granted. And then when the scoring low was put on him after all those guys left, Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen the year prior, it looked like he was focused more on his offense in 2014 and 2015 with the team in those first two years with Stevens. It got back to that Daryl Revis comparison, if you want to use football. He was a lockdown guy on the perimeter in the NBA. Hope he makes first-team all-defense, has a real good shot to do. So I, I know it's like you don't want to fault him for the injury, but he's been so injury-prone in his career that when he comes up with an injury in the playoffs, a usage injury, Once I don't want to say that it's a freak injury, like someone landed on his, you know, he just stepped, it landed on someone's foot. It was a, a case of... Just that hamstring giving way. So yes, a little harsh, slight deduction solely because of really the injury. When he's had so many problems with injuries, you like to see him finally shake that burden, and I, I guess he hasn't. Now we got to have a little fun and get on get, get uh, start criticizing someone. Bob Ryan was on this show here a few weeks ago. I mentioned that it will likely cost the Celtics $15 million to keep this player because of the new salary cap in the NBA, because of still he has some unique skills, but he's come under a lot of fire. You know where I'm going. Yep. Jared Sullinger, first off, $15 million, yay or nay, would you do so to re-sign him and then take the floor on his grade for the year?
0: I would say nay. Uh, you know, if you talked to me back in February... Arch, maybe. But the way he ended the season is troubling to me. The entire month of April, Larry, he was pretty much terrible. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. I mean, he he saw his minutes decrease because his production decreased. And so I'm a big Sullinger fan, but the weight is an issue. I mean, the guy just did not look right the final month of the season. And so I, I don't know if it was a confidence issue when it comes to a shot. I mean, you look at his field goal percentage over the last month. Uh, I, I, I think it was probably low 40s, maybe even the 30s. Uh, and, and so I was a little disappointed at the way Sullinger finished the season because I thought during the season he was playing his way into a 12, 13, $14 million a year contract. Now if I'm Danny Ainge, I guess the highest I would go if I'm Danny Ainge is $10 million. And that's nothing to sneeze at. And I know the new salary cap structure. But when the Celtics needed Selinger the most in the playoffs against Al Horford and Paul Millsap and those guys, he was at his worst. And, and so I, I just feel like, you know what, all the talent, you can't make that huge of a commitment. You're talking $15 million over five years, a uh, five-year deal, $15 million per. I just can't do that if I'm Danny Ainge in the Celtics.
1: Yeah, he's a restricted free agent, so odds are the opposition will set the market. So it's I, I something tells me, I know they have poor Zingas, something tells me the Knicks are throwing 460 at him, and it's a case of <sighs> if Danny matches it. I'm totally with you, hell no, in the words of Bob Ryan. Bob, Bob's our Uber driver. He's going to drive him to the airport. That's what he said on the show a few weeks ago if he dared ask for that. Yeah, I mean he has, such, he has unique skills that no one else on the team has. There's no one who's even close to him as a rebounder. And if you're going to have get a of a good of a rebounder on the open market, you're likely again looking at – 15, 16. I mean I don't even want to say more but at least, you know, at least 13 plus million dollars with the new salary cap to likely overpay for a an asset that that player brings to the table. And it's still like, you know, what I'm still not there with Solinger because of like you said he came up lame at the end of the year. He might run out. He's run he this is a guy who came up lame at the end of the year this year. Looked like he ran out of gas. Looked like I agree. He put on body fat, put on weight at the end of the year, having a hard time resisting the urge to give another shout out to our American farmers network sponsored about eating low carb dieting. But it looked like he again, put on body fat at the end of the year. Whereas in in years prior, why he he made the year this year, he didn't come up Two of his first three seasons in the NBA. The guy was KO'd. The guy was knocked out for the year. So there's still that looms. You still look at this year. He struggled in back-to-back situations. The team played well in back-to-back situations. He didn't play well in back-to-back situations there's some other things too. He had a good year. He made the end of the season. I'm not sure if this was the case, but the guy played. He was on essentially a minutes restriction. He couldn't play more than 30 minutes. And he's 24, 25 years old. That's something that you do for Shaq at the end of his career. Yeah. you don't and, give guys and, 24 years old minute yeah. restrictions.
0: And, and here's the thing, Larry. With you know, a lot of people want to you know say, oh, Tristan Thompson got you know 15 million a year or whatever it is in a massive playoff series. About, but the thing about Tristan Thompson is. He plays his best ball in the postseason. We already see it in that this season. He's once again a rebounding monster for the Cavs. And so whereas Sullinger had some flashes during the regular season and came up short in the postseason – Tristan Thompson comes up big in the postseason and is no doubt key to the Cavs' success. And so I just think, you know, when, when the stakes were the highest, Brad Stevens couldn't trust Sullinger there in that Atlanta series. And do you really want to give a guy, you know, that, that kind of money, $15 million a year that you can't trust in the playoffs, can't trust at the end of the season? I wouldn't do that.
1: No, and it's disappointing, too, because... They're just, I mean, our lasting memory of Sullinger is being a complete non-factor against Atlanta, being a complete non-factor at the end of the year. We forget the Atlanta regular season game on that Saturday night that essentially decided home court advantage. That's when we knew Sullinger was going to be no factor in the playoffs. You saw it that game, that Saturday night, that game in Atlanta. But that's our lasting memory of him is how bad he was in the postseason and at the end of the year. So we forget we forget his outlet passing. We forget all the rebounding. We forget the interior defense one-on-one against some of the burly big men like yeah. when he really checked up Jalil Okafor in the opener of the regular season this year. That's what got him back in the rotation after looking like the 10th or 11th man coming into the season. So we forget what he did do during the season. The Celtics are going to miss it. And likely that unless they, God forbid, get one of these fantasy free agent acquisitions, fantasy trades, the Al Horfords or whatever you want to throw around out there, they're likely not going to be able to replace what Sullinger brings to the table next year. So they're going to take a hit. But you still have to look at the long-term flexibility of the franchise. Once again, I'm totally agreeing with you 100% makes for bad radio, but you can't invest <laughs> long-term and worried about tying up a decent portion of your salary cap paying Selinger 15, at least probably 14-plus million a year for I would like to think at least three years. We can touch upon this briefly, sort of irrelevant, but at the beginning of the year, this was a guy who was up for a contract extension, another restricted free agent, was being talked about being signed for $10 million and was pretty much a wash this year. Tyler Zeller, I gave him a D-plus because he had a few good games this year. He had a game against the Knicks that Brad Stevens put him in. You gave him a D, but considering what he was last year, what we expected of him this year, he he was a wash.
0: Yeah, and think about it. I mean, the guy was a starter last year for this team. I mean, he was a key factor. And, and he came into this season as the starter, if you remember. Brad Stevens started him. Way back yonder. Um, wait, but then Jalil Okafor happened and uh, abused him and, and, and showed Tyler's uh, deficiencies on defense. And so I like Tyler. I, I like the attitude that he brought, to, you know, never complain, never seem upset about the uh, DMP CDs. And, so, and then when Brad did use him, we saw him uh, midseason in Detroit. He played pretty well. Against Andre Drummond, I just I think the consistency just wasn't there, especially on the defensive end. And uh, he took a step back. He cost himself some money this season.
1: I still think there's going to be a team that throws a little something at them if you can get Zeller cheap. I'm actually for it because he is a big man with skills. He had a very good season last year, a very good year last year. There was talk about re-signing him for $10 million and that looking like a great idea. Uh, I mean, there were times, at least there were times with him, I I gave him the D+, only because there were times where when he was called upon, he did have some good outputs. It wasn't like, say, let's just skip ahead of this guy, and I want to touch upon him real briefly because I don't think he's worth the light of day at this point. James Young, give me... In about 20 seconds, why I shouldn't count this guy as a complete failure and a guy who's going to be out of the league in probably
0: two years. All right. Now, I think James Young has been a total disappointment. Let me say that. Uh, but I wonder, you know, because we know Brad is, is, is big into practice, uh, has James Young really been given the game opportunities to show what he's – think about it. If James Young was with the Sixers and they just let him chuck it up, where would he be? We wouldn't well, be saying well, we, well, we, he's well, we also, right now. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Well, we, we, be saying also, we also would be looking at that and saying uh, he's on the Sixers.
0: Right. Hey, <laughs> but, and we'll talk about Marcus Smart later. But I think, you know, with the Celtics, with the way Danny Ainge has constructed this roster, we haven't been the, – the young players haven't been given a chance – to really grow and shine in NBA game action. Sure, in practice, D-League, that kind of thing. But when you look at, you know, some of the bad teams around the league, most of the time their young players are getting extended minutes. The problem with the Celtics is they're too good to give their young guys minutes. Well, what do you – I disagree mean, with
1: that. Go ahead. Well, I who's James
0: that. Young going to play over? Who's James Young going to play over? Evan Turner? Avery Bradley? It's not a case
1: of playing over, though, Kyle. And I'm going to interrupt you. It's not a case of playing over someone. It's just a case of chipping in and get some time. There were, I think, ample points in the season when he could have played. I mean, they could still split the minutes, give, say, 20% more minutes to James Young. I just get the perception, and it is from afar – that he doesn't really seem committed enough, and you mentioned practice. Therefore, I draw a conclusion that he's just probably not putting in the effort in practicing and getting better to warm playing time. I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong. It isn't like he played zero minutes this year. There was not one minute in which he did play, because he did play a handful of garbage time minutes. There was one game I think he came in, and he scored like eight points in the year. I I can't even remember that game. But there was not one time where I said, when you you even watched him, and you said, geez, they should squeeze James Young more minutes.
0: Well, I, I know for a fact, you know, players earn their minutes for the Celtics. And that's why James Young, I, I've talked to people within the organization who, who have said that, you know, Brad's just not going to give you minutes. You have to go there and earn them. And so if James Young's not getting the minutes, obviously he hasn't earned them. But is is he going to be out of the league? I mean, obviously he has to mature, no doubt about that, on and off the floor, I think. but But I also feel like, you need to see what you really have. And I don't know if the Celtics truly know what they have in James Young. And maybe, no, they might not know. It may take James Young another two, three, four years or whatever. And obviously that won't happen in Boston. But I- I'm not ready to say uh, James Young will never be in the NBA, uh, you know, ever again. I mean, I-, I remember a couple years ago you predicted the demise of Rajon Rondo. Yep. But Rondo had a pretty good season in Sacramento. And so I, I just think uh, – Who knows what will happen if if he matures, if he uh, becomes uh, more serious about his craft. James Young, I mean, there was a reason why they drafted him number 17. And and they they say he could shoot. Well, we haven't seen that. (laughs) They they drafted a guy who supposedly could shoot but hasn't shot in the NBA. And so I'm not ready to write him off just yet as an NBA player. But I do think he needs to move on from the Celtics and, and, and try a different organization.
1: Yeah, those were pretty big ifs that I don't like to hear. He needs to get his head on straight. He needs to put the effort in. That's just not what you want to see. Dude, you're getting paid millions of dollars. If you're not doing that, beat it. Uh, One guy that you can talk about that because you talk about young players not getting the minutes. There were a few players that had injuries over the course of the year. A first-round draft choice that I did not like at the time, even though I do not watch one lick of college basketball. But I, I, I thought he... Did pretty well, especially in terms of his development towards the end of the season. And where it got to a point where he deserved, not deserved, but at least when he was out there, it looked like he belonged definitely by the end of the year, Terry Rogier.
0: And Terry Rogier is my guy from Louisville. You know, I'm a big Terry Rozier fan. And it's not, to me, with Terry, it's not about, you know, how many points he scores. I mean, if he brings the effort every night we started to see that at the end of the season. I mean, the guy is a tremendous rebounder for his position. Uh, he's a competitor. Uh, and, and the thing I, I like about Terry is he feels like he belongs. You know, one thing he did say during the season, though, that uh, concerned me, and, and, and we talked about this, uh, this was at practice one day, he talked about it. He felt like he needed to de- defer to the veterans, defer to the scorers on the team. And, and for Terry Rozier to be his best for this Celtics team, he needs to act like he's the best player on the floor. There's, I've watched Terry at practice sometimes where nobody can stop him from getting into the paint. So I want to see him more aggressively, aggressive offensively, not necessarily just chucking up shots, but getting into the paint. And we started to see a little of that towards the end of the season. But I think... Uh, th- he showed why the Celtics drafted him number 16. He's a competitor, a chip on his shoulder. He uh, a tremendous rebounder. He gets after it defensively. And so I, I think it was a good season for Terry.
1: Yeah, you gave him a B plus. I gave him a B-. Minus. That's somewhat of a heart's grade on my end because he was. I still account for the fact that he was a mid-first round selection. B+, plus I think, is high, particularly on expectations. But I was pretty surprised in the season that he did have and dare we say it, I think that we discussed it with Bob Ryan a few weeks ago. We were talking about the most tradable players on this team, if you're talking about making major upgrades on the roster, which I know you folks at CSNE are doing. I don't want to mention any names. <laughs> uh, but Avery Bradley seems to be the most tradable piece on this roster when you consider the depth of his position, the salary that he has. Do you think, I mean, this is a very general and cliche question, but it's kind of a good way to lead you in. Is Rozier someone who could make Bradley expendable when you consider that they both have... Possibly the defense.
0: Well, I would say uh, Rozier could be that first guard off the bench uh, going forward. Uh, you throw Marcus Smart into the start, starting lineup. We saw that earlier in the season. and so. But I, I do worry about the scoring when you lose Avery Bradley. I mean, he was a, a legitimate scorer for this team, and, and they need that. With that being said, can you imagine a guy like Avery Bradley, let's say, on Oklahoma City? Playing alongside Westbrook and Durant, I mean that they've been missing a two guard uh, for years now. They've been needing a two guard, and, and Avery Bradley would fit in. And they got a lot of big guys, so maybe you uh, call Sam Presky up and, and try to swing a deal there. But I, I think you know when it comes to Rozier, he could be that third guard. But I want to see him take a step offensively because replacing 15 points a game that's not easy to do.
1: Let's shift to our first real disagreement in the grades. I gave Kelly O'Linick a B. I just I don't hey, I don't like the injuries as much as anyone. In fact, that's why I gave him a B. I think he's a guy who would have had an A minus had the season ended at the all star break. He was one of the most valuable components on the team. He took a major step this year. You gave him a C plus, and I'm getting the that and I'm almost in, I get the sense that it's because you might have been a little upset that he wasn't ready for the playoffs. And
0: Well well here's the thing, Larry, you can't dock Avery Bradley for having an injury, but then not dock Kelly Olinick. I did, I did though.
1: I took him from an A minus to a B and you took (laughs) Kelly Olenek from a freaking A minus to a C plus.
0: Because I it, and it only has to do with the consistency, uh, not necessarily missing time with an injury. I, clearly, the injury bothered him in the Atlanta series and, and, and towards the end of the season. But I, I want to see Kelly O'Linick consistently be that guy. Remember that stretch he had? I think he started a couple of games, right. had like well, 19, 21 or something like that. Yeah. And, and so I want to see that Kelly O'Linick. There were times late in the season, and I don't know if it was the injury or not, where he would hesitate shooting the ball. So I'm still seeing that hesitation offensively, uh, whether to shoot, I'm seeing too too many pump fakes, that kind of thing. When he's decisive, with his moves, decisive in his decisions, he's a much better player, and so I think that's something Brad talked about. You know, earlier in the season, they want Kelly to shoot the ball, and he got to that. You know, like you said, midway through the season, around the All Star break, before the All Star break, but in the second half of the season, I still thought he was a little hesitant offensively.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally. Those are detrimental portions of his game, but it, it, you're right. It, it definitely got moving for him at the All Star break. It's still there. But I didn't give him the highest grade. I gave him a B. You gave him a C plus. I guess we could disagree till the cows come home. He's still good enough to really be a major component on this team. Yeah. There were times when they were missing him. There was a game against Utah right after the All-Star break. It was just – it stuck out clear as day when their big men were just taking it to the Celtics. And they didn't have anybody. Jarepko was still sort of missing some – wasn't really consistent with his shots. At that point, they were really missing his outside shooting and the ability to at least draw one of those guys out of the paint. Another guy we actually semi disagreed on was Jay Crowder. I gave him a flat straight A. You gave him a B plus. I mean, I, we both know that he had a great season. I would like to right. say exceeded expectations again, but defend your B plus.
0: Well, like I said before, Larry, if you're going to dock Avery Bradley for uh, injuries, Jay Crowder after his injuries, Avery it's never, Bradley, the, same, it's a a never teeny the same.
1: Little thing, like a teeny, teeny, <laughs> teeny. I get, if instead of an A, I gave an A minus, you're you're docking other dudes. I mean, is Avery is Avery <laughs> hooking you up with some key interviews or something like no, that? And
0: no, no. Here's the thing about Jay. I, I think he did a tremendous job, but you can't ignore the fact that over the final month of the season, uh, his shot wasn't there. In the playoffs, his shot wasn't there. And so uh, I'm not just going to give him a pass because he's injured. Uh, I expect more out of Jay Crowder. Maybe I'm a hard critic. You know, I, I don't just hand out A's like they're Skittles during Halloween like you do, my friend. And so he has to go out there and earn that A. And I think, you know, the final month is this of the season, he tried to fight through it. But his shot wasn't there. I thought his defense slipped a little bit also during the final month of the season. Good against Paul Millsap, though. Yeah. Except for that one yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing I expect more out of Jay. You know, I'm a big Jay Crowder fan, no doubt about that. And so I, there's some room for him to grow. I mean, what is he offensively? Is he that catch and shoot guy? Is he that catch and one dribble guy? Or can he create his own shot within the offense? And I think that's the next step that he needs to take, not to rely on Isaiah or some of these other guards to get him the ball. Uh, everybody, you know, compares him to Jimmy Butler. Well, Jimmy Butler, you can give the ball and say, Get out of the way. Let Jimmy Butler do his thing. Jay Crowder has to work on his ball handling and being able to take that next step.
1: One of the biggest things coming into this season was the development of players. How many times over the past few years have it been when the Celtics were involved in Kevin Love trade rumors? And the pretty much the going word was Team X didn't want the Celtics' other players because they didn't have proven players. All they had were the draft picks. This year, you saw a guy like Jay Crowder, and, and even Avery Bradley, and now, of course, Isaiah Thomas. But you saw a guy like Jay Bra- Crowder become a valuable commodity in and around the league. That, I thought, was one of the biggest takeaways, not just from individual players, but from the whole season in terms of if you want to talk about was this season a success or not. And I know that's a very popular discussion to have on talk shows. That, I think, is right at the top of we're the development of individual players. And I think Jay Crowder is that guy. I mean, they talk to various NBA insiders, which I know you do. There are many teams in the league now that view Jay Crowder as a valuable piece. I know this is just cliche and general stuff, but that wasn't the case on this team a few years ago, or even as I would say even last year, they viewed the Celtics team as a a bunch of players with some decent parts that the coach got a lot out of. Now they have players and Jay Crowder is pretty much leading the pack players that other teams respect on the court and off the court in terms of collateral of making things happen. Let's get to our last player. Because I think of a lot of these other guys we agreed upon. You gave Hunter a C. I gave him plus. Uh Amir uh, Johns, we both gave him Bs. Jarepko, same thing. Both gave him Bs. Last player, we both gave him a B as well. Marcus Smart. B, I, would, I mean, he had... It, it's, it's bizarre with him. You look sometimes at just the box score, and he goes 2 for 10. Uh, you look at some of the stuff, like when he flops, which I know me and you both are not a fan of those shenanigans. Mm. But he is a net positive almost all the time when he's on the court it's as crazy as it is but he was still the sixth overall pick in the draft he has a lot of the other intangibles a lot of the other skills it's just about putting the effort I would think of getting a little bit better on the offensive end, shooting a thousand jumper shots a day in the offseason and becoming a complete player maybe a poor man's version of the 2010-2011 Derrick Rose
0: well, that's uh, you. You said poor man's version, so I'll, I I'll give you that. I won't. I won't hammer you for that. But here's the thing about Marcus Smart, and you mentioned the flopping. Uh, we saw him cut that out a little bit in the Atlanta series, which was good. I think we saw him except at that time. one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, except, except,
1: one. Yeah, except. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you enjoy the play? <laughs> right, exactly. It,
0: it, but here's the thing about Marcus, because I think we saw. The best of Marcus, and at times the worst of Marcus during the playoff series. Uh, I remember game one when he scored 15 points, I think it was. And so then game two, he gets the start for the injured Avery Bradley and comes out two for 10 or whatever it was. But I think it was uh, game four where he had 20 points, I think it was. Yep, and uh, what, or maybe it had been game five, one of those games. No, four, game four, four, I think it was. Four. Yeah, when he yeah, yeah game out. four. But he not only knocked down threes, because I, I really don't think that's his game. I think that's a bonus if he's doing that. But he took the ball to the hole, drew a couple of and ones, took the body contact, actually used his body. Yeah, he's strong he enough just, to do that. He's, right, uh, exactly. he's not
1: like Isaiah where you kind of worry about him you know, going down and breaking out of 45 mm-hmm. different pieces. Uh, I mean, you would like to think that a guy like him, that's why I said – Poor man's Derrick Rose, yeah. built in the mold of Derrick Rose where he has some girth to him where he, for a guard he should be finishing around the hoop and becoming that much more effective offensively. And then hopefully, because it can be done, Dennis Johnson's done it. We mentioned Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose done it. He was a horrible shooter when he came yeah. there. He had a flat jump shot as much as anybody. But just developing a respectable jumper, and that was' just almost completely against what Rondo does. So, you know. Yeah. I'll let you have it go
0: ahead. I, I I think smart also has to better understand time and situation because we saw uh, countless times some, Bad decisions late in games, whether it's a turnover, then compounded by a foul. And so I know that's the competitive competitor inside of him, but I think he has to understand time and situation. Which game was it where he committed that late foul? Uh, all they had to do was play. I think it was Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah. No, Milwaukee.
1: that was Avery Bradley, actually. Excuse
0: oh yeah, me. that was the Avery Bradley. Although oh, this one. one
1: was later in the year, I know you're right. I don't know why this one. Yeah, you know which away. one I'm yeah, talking
0: about there, though. But all he had to do, all oh, the team, all they needed to do was play solid defense, get the ball back and score, and then you can win the game. Instead, he commits a foul. The team goes on to hit uh, free throws, and, and, and there you go. That's the game. And so I just think his decision-making late in games has to be a little better. We know he's a gamer, Larry. We saw it time and time again, him hit big shots, you know, three-pointers, taking it to the home, coming out with a defensive stop. I, I just think, you know, decision-making, he can improve on that late in games.
1: Yeah, he gets the Tony Allen comparison a lot. I know this is a little before your time here in Boston, but there was a play, infamous play. Detroit was here in Boston, the very first game against the, the, the Big Three. Kevin Garnett, a home game, and Tony mm-hmm. Allen committed a knucklehead foul on, Tony, on Chauncey Billups when he bought a pump fake, and Billups nailed two free throws to ice the game. Okay, real quick to get you out of here. This, I think, is easier. We did not grade. We both gave incompletes to so Jordan Mickey. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick on Brad Stevens, an A, right? I mean, he, I, I, it got to be an A.
0: I'd give him an A because I felt like he coached his guys up, and when you look at the roster, pretty much every player improved under Brad Stevens. Then before they got to Brad Stevens, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, Evan Turner resurrected his oh, we career. Didn't mention him. We both yeah, have an A but yeah, yeah for- and, and we both love ET. I think I, I you know, I, I've been one of his biggest fans all season long, and I just think he fits in perfectly with this team. But you got to admire the job that Brad did. I mean, getting this team to 48 when I had them at about 43, 44 wins this season, think about it. You went, you beat the Lakers like you're supposed to. You at least win one of those Brooklyn games that you dropped, and you're talking about a 50 win team right here. And so, a uh, great job by Brad this season, Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, B minus. And the reason I say that is, I don't. I still don't know which players will be here when it's time to actually compete for a championship contender. I know the rebuild is going, fe- uh, you know, quicker than expected. But you have all these draft picks. You got three first rounders this year. Even if you make one or two, like, where are these guys going to play? And so I just feel like, you know, he. he They got too competitive of a roster, I guess. Like, I'm a big proponent of letting the young guys play. We really don't know what we're going to get in R.J. Hunter. When's R.J. Hunter's time really going to come? And so I, I wonder about that. Terry Rozier also. You know, you signed Jordan Mickey to this deal. And so you got all these young players But yet you want to win now, too. And so you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't have, you know, six first round picks and then try to win now also. And so I want to see this offseason is huge for Danny H because is it going to be a youth movement? Is it going to be let's go out there and get some veterans to try to win now? You know, everybody talks about all these draft picks, Larry. Hey, if they can't get on the floor, what does it what good does it do?
1: I was critical of him last offseason. I wish they were a little more aggressive with Greg Monroe. It ended up working out in the sense of rolling it over. I think the big dock on him last (laughs) offseason was the complete failure of David League. I mean, I know it didn't really kill the team, but it cost ownership money, millions of dollars. And I'm a season ticket holder, so I watch every one of uh, the dollars they do spend. Here's the easiest one of them all. Grade to get you out of here. Grade Celtics fans and the people that tune into Celtics pre- and post-game live. (laughs) And the halftime show and Celtics Talk TV and the podcast.
0: Hey, they're all they're they're my family, man. I give them an A And you know why though? And I'm not just saying this. The atmosphere at the Garden during the postseason that was unbelievable was tremendous. It was better than last year. I mean, the, the fan base this year truly came out during the playoffs, and and they affected the Hawks. I thought in games three and four, and so they won the game. Uh, I, I,
1: yes, <laughs> you, you, no that, you ask Chris him. Vivlamore. He tells you that the, the, the Hawks lost those games because the crowd.
0: Period. Exactly. I mean, it, it it was it was deafening in there, and so I give the crowd a, a lot of credit.
1: One thing I'm going to watch out for in future years are the expectations of fans. It's just it just keeps going getting higher and higher and higher. That eventually, unless you're fielding these 55 win title contenders that have Kevin Durant, Al Horford, and Jimmy right. Butler on the team, fans are going to get like you know, hey, geez, you know, we want a little bit better than this. We want a little more than 48 right. wins. But it, 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 I'm more than happy with the way this year went. Happy to have you back here. Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet, New England. can follow Kyle on Twitter at KyleDraperTV. Mr. Draper, now in rare air. Thanks for appearance number five on Celtic Speed. Ah, I'm a Hall of Famer now, thanks. We will be back to wrap things up, but let's pause briefly for a programming note on behalf of the network. This
0: is Antoine Walker from 120sports.com. Thank you for taking some time and joining the program today. Um, you got to be tough-minded when you go on the road and and be ready to deal with uh, bad calls, bad plays, not let your emotions get out the way. But usually the calls seem to go your way, and things, the momentum goes your way a lot when you're at home. Where did you fall on that? Did you think Isaiah should have been suspended for the little sort of slap slash punch? Of course not. This is playoff basketball. The game is called so differently during the season, and then we get in the playoffs, and the referees try to let the players so fans and people, the media, we don't see these plays being called the same way during the season. Then we get in the playoffs, we think that the league is going to come down on. lot. But we don't want to watch the playoffs without Isaiah Thomas on the floor. That, that doesn't make sense.
1: You just heard Antoine Walker on these airwaves here. That interview was conducted by CLNS Radio Celtics post-game host Patrick Gilroy of ESPN New Hampshire. Said interview with Messrs. Gilroy and Walker took place on the ESPN New Hampshire radio network, 900 a.m. in the region. Mr. Gilroy is the host of the Celtics pregame show on the ESPN New Hampshire affiliate. And if you want to listen to that exclusive interview with former Celtic Antoine Walker in full, head on over to the ESPNNH.com radio archives and make it even easier. We're going to post a link in our Facebook group and Facebook page, facebook.com slash Beat. Facebook.com slash Celticsbeat. For those who want immediate access to it, I definitely suggest you guys all check it out. And I right now got to use this time to give a huge rundown of thank yous in the immediate CLNS family. Because there are a lot for the 2016 Boston Celtics season. Didn't have the chance last week and also didn't want to steal Nick Jelso's thunder. The founder of this network released a great video that many of you saw on CLNSradio.com. Long list of gratitudes for this season at the network. So I've got to say it. I've got to have my say, and it is certainly my time to do the same. It was an unbelievable Celtics season on the court and here. I really felt this station did the team and hopefully our audience justice with its coverage. May as well start off with the post game show we were just talking about a Patrick Gilroy. Coming on late and doing such a great job hosting the show on many nights along with many others. You just heard Nick. I'll do the same. Bobby Manning of Celtics Blog. Weeis Josue Pavon, The production work of Matt Rory. Uh, Nick Sicento, the management. Other hosts, uh, Justin Poulin. He was there all year. Uh, you, the audience, you guys know Justin. Most know him as the co-host alongside John Duke on Celtics stuff live, the original Celtics podcast. They're back and on these airwaves. I'm thrilled to be able to listen to them again and listen to them here on CLNS Radio. We are truly honored to have them. A quick heads up, by the way, uh, in my mind, those guys. They're taking the week off, so no show tomorrow, if in case you're wondering. But they're going to be back next week, probably on Monday the 16th on CLNS Radio. But big, big holler at them right now. Corey Prescott for running the blog on clnsradio.com and his round the clock Celtics coverage, covering many of the stories, the notebooks, conference calls, press conferences, various live home games. He did it all. Great job, Corey. Guys, look him up on Twitter. You definitely want to familiarize yourself with Corey. He's on Twitter at Corey Prescott7. And then, of course, come on, speaking of the home games, last but not least, certainly not least, the main event, the hardest working man on staff and the most valuable, locker room reporter, Jared Weiss, providing all that game day, post game video coverage, all the locker room videos, the press conferences, other media appearances of players, coachings, and execs. Jared, host of the Guard Report, I'm sure you know the amount of time and effort and commitment that Jared gives this network and in you, the our audience, to, to cover. The games for CLNS Radio live tweet recap it, then stay up, put together a post game show in the garden after every game, staying up to three, four, five in the morning on some nights or mornings, and not sleeping. The amount of commitment one has to have to make that work to deliver something palatable to fans as sophisticated as Celtics fans, it has got to be lauded beyond belief. So huge kudos to Jared Weiss. He's still around too. He's covering the team day by day, uh, but he hosts the show wei celtics podcast that is weekly that's on the clns radio mobile app available for your iphone and android so you get all the content from clns radio audio video you name it that's all at your fingertips download the clns radio mobile app right now fans i can't say this enough if you if you love the work you see from jared the post game show celtic stuff live if you want more content more enhanced content Please feel free to offer any type of support you can, be it by supporting our sponsors, using the promo codes for Audible. If you're a listener of audiobooks or you want to try it out, it's a free service for 30 days. No risk whatsoever. Free audiobooks for a month. 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. It's a part of your Amazon account if you got it, so you can do it through there. Also, using the Celtics Beat promo code, that's Celtics Beat, one word, for SeatGeek, for tickets, $20 off your first ticket purchase. That just goes such a long way for being able to continue what everyone here throughout the CLNS Radio can do. Listen. We're not backed by the corporate mega-sponsors, nor do we choose to be. Us not having to deal with that red tape allows us to be as original as we possibly can with our content. We can deliver you the best audio-video coverage of the Celtics anywhere. And I firmly believe that. the blogosphere, alternative, mainstream, anywhere. And with the type of help you can give, we can get even better. So supporting our sponsors... If you want to pledge directly, chip into the CLNS Radio Patreon account. That can be found at patreon.com forward slash CLNS Radio. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash CLNS Radio. Heck, if you even just simply want to write a review for this show on iTunes, little Celtics beat on iTunes, little subscribe, rate, review. It takes 20 seconds. Anything you feel you can give. We would appreciate that so, so, so much. Yes, this was a bit of a public broadcasting pledge campaign that you'd usually see after watching Mr. Bean or Square One on the public access channels, but the phones are blowing up in the background. But if you choose to do so, we really mean it here, and we have such a great time being able to communicate with our audience, not talk to our audience, but talk with them. We're honored to have everyone's consumption of the CLNS radio media, and we just want to give you even more. So we would be ever so grateful and appreciative if you'd help us do that play a part in any way possible and so fitting that is my final message here this week and uh, we're going to be back here next week official season and review show whole team whole year that's episode number 157 of Celtics Beat with a very special but familiar you heard his name special but familiar guest to these airwaves that's next Sunday number 157 this is this Sunday Mother's Day number 156 and it's credit time Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, DJ The S, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Ragratto. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook. Email with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, Google Plus Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, Kyle Draper of Comcast Sportsnet Net New England, for providing us his time yet again. Most importantly, you guys, the audience tuning in yet another week. Shout out to the sponsors today, Audible and American Farmers Network, for all their support. They too provide this show. Now, staff writer Eddie Santiago, founder of the network, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.